0: Do I lift up my soul unto the old?
1: Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. You can see our theme for 2022 on the board, Happy New Year. We hope this is a great year of service to the Lord. Since we do not have a worship bulletin this morning, let me share with you who's going to be leading us. Our singing will be led by Brother Chris Langley, the opening prayer. Brother Johnny Parker, the scripture reading. Brother Jerry Ligon, Brother Ken Forrest will bring us the lesson this morning. Brother Luther Mormon will lead us as we observe the Lord's Supper, and Brother Todd Sweeney will have the announcements and closing prayer. There have been uh, one slight change in schedule from what we've been previously, previously announcing kids sing will start next week. We'll just go directly to class tonight at five o'clock. I have this statement that have we been asked to read? Dear church, please pray for me. It's been a hard time for me now that I've lost both of my parents. for Martha Yates. Martha is suffering from COVID as is Craig Glenn and Annabeth Worley and others in our congregation, and we'll pray for their healing. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this new year and for its opportunities. We pray, Father, that you would be with our sister, Martha Meeks. We pray for her safe travel back to the United States. We pray for forgiveness of her sins. We pray, Father, that you would blot out from your record any wrongdoing that she's done as she prays for forgiveness, and we pray with her. Father, we love her, and we pray that you would bless her family. And Father, for those who are sick, especially Martha Yates and Annabeth Worley and Craig Glenn and others who are suffering from COVID, we pray for quick healing. We pray that you would be with our nation. We ask that you would do away with this pandemic. And open doors of opportunity for us as we move into this new year. Accept our worship to thee this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Sing some songs about heaven this morning. We'll sing some songs about Zion. This song is a marching song. It's kind of hard to march while you're sitting down, so if you are uh, able and it's convenient, we ask you to rise and we'll sing the song. We have the Lord and the song we our To hear song we sing upon. Thank oh.
2: on
3: you for this opportunity as we start a new out, year out to come to, to church to worship you and to sing songs of praise and hear a word for, hear words from your, from your book of life. Lord, be with Brother Ken as he brings this lesson to us uh, as he's prepared and let it touch our hearts as, as you see fit and according to your will. Be with those who are sick and afflicted and those who have lost loved ones and let us look for opportunities we we have in the next few weeks to comfort them and to bring them uh, love and, and also show them that love is what the church is about. Let us all look for opportunities to bring others unto you. We ask these things in your name, Jesus' name, amen.
1: You're using your books. If you will open number 493 and mark that as our song for imitation uh, before the lesson, we'll sing There Is a Habitation,
4: number 860 860.
0: There is a-
4: Things through Christ who strengthens me.
2: Zion. Man, I cannot wait. And when am I going to see that? That was the ending question. I don't know, but it's going to be soon enough. It's going to be sooner now than it has ever been. Well, we started a new year. Are you excited about that? A fresh start, a clean slate, new beginnings. There's nothing in the way. All the baggage is gone, right? And we're just going headlong into all the possibilities that God will present. Yes? Yes, Ken, we will. We're excited. We want to serve God to the fullest of our ability this year. And I'm telling you that our theme, the power of one, is aimed at dragging out every ounce of that possibility to encourage and motivate and stimulate us to use what God has put in our hands to His ultimate glory. Not just to do something, but to do the thing that you were called out to do. It might be something different from what you've always done. But I want us so much to find what is specifically our purpose and to get busy doing it and to find the incredible contentment that is enjoyed in serving the Lord to the fullest of our ability. Thank you so much for being here this very first Sunday of the new year. And I hope that it will not be the last, that you will be here every Sunday with the same intention in your heart to come and to worship God in spirit and in truth. We want to fill up and be assured that that filling is going to provide us with what's necessary to face the coming week. So today, we're going to introduce the first lesson in a series that we will have throughout the year concerning the power of one. And I'll just tell you in the beginning right here, that one, that one is you, uniquely you. Before we start that, let's pray that God will bless us as we begin this particular period of our worship. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the blessing of a new day, a new year. And while I suppose the separation of time and the establishment of calendars and all of that really doesn't limit the progress of one day to another, still in our minds in terms of just setting things in order, It is a benchmark for us, and because of that, oftentimes, almost always, we start a year with great hopes and dreams of how things are going to be. Usually, it's about how things are going to be different. And so, Lord, I'm praying today that we can tap into that, that with our intention to do differently, to have our minds and our hearts set on the accomplishment of your will in our particular circumstance, that we will reach higher and go farther than we've ever gone before. Lord, that's that's your purpose. That's, That's what you drive us to do. That's your hope for us. I pray, Lord, that you'll help me as a communicator to be able to voice that in a way that people understand they can get, that they find useful. And I pray, Lord, that those who hear what you have to say will be really attentive to it and will, with this commitment that we're making early now, really find in themselves the purposes that you've set for each one of us and then help us to endeavor to fulfill it, satisfy it in our time uh, sooner than later. Thank you for your patience in that regard, and forgive us when we've wasted the opportunities that you've put in our hands in the past. That's back there. We're looking ahead. We thank you for the opportunity that that represents. In Jesus' name, amen. If if I were to ask you what is your favorite verse of Scripture, you might actually pick this one here. It's kind of a theme, I guess, for a lot of people. Just a life theme. I can, and the emphasis on can, right? That's motivation. I'm doing stuff. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I've seen that text abused a lot kind of the idea that no matter what I aspire to do, Christ will help me do it. Okay, that's great. But I don't think that's the purpose of this text. It's not just a motivational thing that once you have a challenge before you, you quote that scripture and you're empowered. It's not a magic switch. It's actually a reflection on what Paul had earlier talked about in terms of his own contentment. Now when we say contentment, we mean we're satisfied, we're good, we're settled. No matter what, I'm, I'm even, I'm fine. Paul had determined that he would be content no matter the circumstance that he faced. I love that. So whether he was full or he was hungry he would be content. Whether he was free or he found himself in prison, absolutely, he'd be content. Whether he had everything he could possibly need at his disposal or whether he was completely empty and had nothing, he had determined that he was content. And here's why. Because he said regardless of everything, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. That contentment is not in the circumstance. Things don't have to be just right. I don't have to say it was a good day. And so I'm content. Paul's assertion is, I'm content no matter what, because my contentment isn't in the circumstance. My contentment is in a person, and that is Jesus. So in Jesus, our expectation is that we can have joy, we can have peace, we can have this contentment regardless of what circumstance we find ourselves in. Here's something about you I want you to hear. I want you to grasp it today, and I want you to carry it with you from now on. And that is you are unique. I mean you specifically. You are unique. You are different from anybody who has ever existed. Now, you may hear occasionally someone will say, oh, you remind me of so-and-so, or boy, you you just carry yourself like your parent, or whatever. Uh, that That's fine. We are conditioned to see patterns in our lives, and so we will look for stuff like that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, yeah, I'm a little different from somebody else, but really, if we got down to it, I, I'm, I'm a lot like, Other people. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, you, you specifically, are so unique that you are different from anybody else who has ever lived, period. You're different from the other 8 billion people that live on this planet. You're different from anybody who has ever lived, ever. You are unique. And because you are so unique... No one's ever been like you before. That means that as you are living your course on this planet, that you are making a unique difference in this world. But here's the thing about that. All of us are going to make a difference. We're either going to make a difference that's evil or we're going to make a difference that's really good. What's going to determine the difference between whether it's good or it's evil is whether or not I'm empowered by the world or I am empowered, as this text says, and as Paul was asserting for himself, by Jesus. That's a primary consideration for all of us. Uh, Being honest with ourselves? What is it that truly empowers me? Is it the world? Am I just mimicking the things that I see? Am I no different from what the world professes? Or am I truly unique in Jesus? I just want to examine two things today. I want to see the power of one, sure enough. But I want to see the power of one to do evil. And compare that with the power of one to do good. So, the power of one to do evil. Let's just get the negative part out to begin with. You are worldly if the things that you do turn out to be evil. You you are driven by a worldly mind if the output is evil. Well, I'm to take you to, well, probably will seem like an obscure text because we don't turn here very often. It's the book of Nahum. So you might have to look in the uh, introduction of your Bible to find it. I don't know. The book of Nahum, chapter 3 and verse 18. That passage is describing Assyria, but in that time they were the world's power. So you could say, I guess, generally that right here is a description of worldly power. But what God is describing in this text for us is that worldly power is temporary. And so here's how He describes the worldly power of the time. He says that they are sleepy. (laughs) They are resting He says they are scattered. Now wait a minute. The world power. Seems like the world power, the one that's dominant at the time, would have its mind so racing and so occupied that no, it wouldn't be sleeping or in slumber, but it would be very attentive. And no, it wouldn't be resting, but it would be rising with with passion and action. God says those things that we typically think related to the forces that be, are just an illusion. The reality is that that the matter is asleep, it's slumbering, it's lying around, it's scattered, it has no focus. And I tend to think in that application to us of, of what we find now. You know, Christians with a commitment to serve Jesus, ought to be, especially in this age, so different from the world that exists right now that it would just be blatantly obvious who we are. But unfortunately, it isn't just the world power that sometimes comes off as slumbering or sleepy, resting or scattered. Sometimes those terms it can't apply to us. Those who are aspiring for godliness, those who aspire to be after the image of Jesus Christ, yes, taking on the image of Christ, being conformed to that image, those who are in, in that class, who who say that they are aspiring to those things, to godly things, when they look at the world, and they become jealous or aspire to the things of the world. That thing that they claim to be actually, it becomes deluded. I'm thinking about an ironic picture that was painted In this people's time. The Assyrians, that's the great power that's under consideration here. The Assyrians were a people that you did not want to be in subjugation to. You know, you didn't want them ruling over you because they were they were a violent uh, and evil power. They were cruel to those who were subjugated. But that doesn't mean that other nations didn't want to be like them. You know, don't want to be ruled by you, but boy, we kind of wish we had what you have. You know, power, influence. And on a world stage, I guess you would say, well, you know, they just kind of have a way about themselves. They looked up to, they have prestige Do you see the world today that way? You know, you you would say you were against a few things, but you just kind of meld into the thinking of the time. and You may quietly say, I I never thought I'd see that come, and, and yet really just kind of become desensitized to it, just kind of roll with what's going on to become influenced by the world to the extent that we mimic or carry the image of the world is to become that deluded, that corrupted Christian. There's an ironic story that's told that really, I think, represents this very thing because there are two characters that are used who generally were representative of certain aspects of their culture. One is a Pharisee who often would have been considered to be the reflection of godliness, righteousness, of connection with God. And the other was a tax collector, the very farthest from God, one who abused his own countrymen, who was a thief and extorter. You see very, very stark contrast, but right here is going to be a reflection of what Impressed or touched their hearts is found in Luke chapter 18, verse 10. It says that two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice in the week, give alms of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as lift up his eyes into heaven, but beat on his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For he who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Okay, Pharisee, representative of high religion, you know, he's the example of spirituality among us, but he had copped out with the world. His aspiration wasn't political so much as it was the attention that I can get. You know, I, I'm better than everybody else. A worldly aspiration to just have the attention, the popularity of others. This guy is so righteous. Let's give him an applause. Let's, let's stand back and just observe how wonderful and great he is. The total arrogance of the situation and the condescension toward those who weren't like Him. Is that not our society? And then there's that tax collector who most people would say he's the very epitome of the corruption of our time. And yet, he was the man who was so closely aligned with the heart of God, desirous for the mercy, the forgiveness of God. Have mercy on me, a sinner! Those images typify what we experience today. One who would like to have the designation of a follower of Jesus, a true disciple, but having been so influenced by the world that really, upon scrutiny, there's no image of Christ to be found at all. Only the picture of Only the picture of the world. Boy, that is a tactic of Satan that is so strong in Satan that he actually tried to use it against Jesus Himself. In Matthew chapter 4, where the temptations are chronicled, in verses 8 and 9, Satan takes Jesus up on a high mountain so that He could observe all the kingdoms of the earth and their glory. And he tells Jesus if he'll but fall down and worship Him, that all of that will be His. You know, Jesus responds by quoting Scripture, of course. You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. There is no median there where I can just hop in the middle and I can just enjoy it all. Jesus recognized that there, there is no setting aside of the plan of God, which would have included His suffering and His death in order for His true kingdom to be established. But no, to be lured into a political situation in order to, to be the leader of great nations, a temporary satisfaction of the flesh, Jesus says no. But how many of us will rise up and say the same thing? In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17, it's about as, about as clear as a Scripture could be about the difference that exists, exists between our commitment to one and to the other. 1 John two fifteen to 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father... But he says it's passing away. Our commitment to Jesus is one that says, I'm going to be content, not in the circumstance necessarily, but I'm going to be content in Jesus no matter the circumstance. I'm not going to aspire for something different that will dilute my Christianity. I will suffer loss in order to be with Jesus. The power of one oftentimes just leads to nothing but the doing of evil. But let's move from that. I want to think in terms this year of the power of one to do good. You have that in you, child of God. That is your goal. That is what you aspire to serving Jesus with all that you have and all that you are to God's glory. I want to begin, preface what I have to say with two passages of Scripture that remind us of the responsibility that is laid upon us as servants of the Lord. Those who are committed to serving Him out of love for the sacrifice that He has made for our souls. One is an Old Testament passage, Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. It's just beautiful in its wisdom and its simplicity. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you're going. In other words, you're going to die one of these days. And when you do, you won't be able to do what you can do now. So when that thing comes into your hands, when that opportunity presents itself, don't wait around, just jump right in. Take hold of that, because you don't know how long you have to be able to accomplish some great thing for God. And then kind of the other side of that mentality is the statement that Jesus makes in Luke chapter 17 and verse 10, where he makes this comment. He says, you know, when a servant has done what was his duty to do, here's what the servant should say. I am an unprofitable servant. I've done what was my duty to do. So I've done all that I can do, Lord. Pat me on the back. You know, boy, I really put forth the effort this time. And the Lord is looking at that like, okay... That's your new benchmark. <laughs> you know, you, you've you done great. That's what I was expecting out of you all along. You say, well, Ken, last year was like my, my high-level mark. Well, you know, for the Lord, He's like, boy, why did it take you so long? You know, that's kind of your benchmark. Let's go. Well, let's, let's do go. I, I think of a, a couple of examples of the Old Testament that, that talk about the driving passion to do for the Lord. But one is an examination of just the idea of going beyond, going beyond what the expectation is of me. In Genesis chapter 31, really kind of in the, in the exciting story of Jacob, there is a chapter of work. So Jacob is there, he has the mentality, I'm going to go beyond what is expected of me. And so it is that when he and Laban are working together and they lose basically half of the flock, Jacob says, no big deal, I'll take that, that'll be my loss. A little bit later, as we go through time, we find out, wait a minute, you know, Jacob's kind of having his wages cut. He's not getting what he originally was promised to get. You know, Jacob's just, that's okay. Peace. That's fine. What was the end result of all that? Well, the end result of it was God blessed Jacob. God blessed Jacob because he had that servant mentality because He had the mind that I'm going to do and I'm going to keep doing, and the setbacks are not going to overrule my passion for doing the best and the most that I can do in service at least to others. But ultimately, our focus is service to God. So I'm going to know that if I give my all, if I put everything that I've got into this thing, that even if I perceive that there are setbacks, God is going to bless it if it was God's work. I don't have any doubt about that. And then when we go beyond what was expected of us, you know that that is going to influence others. It is going to motivate them to do the very same. And maybe all of us working together can bring forth a production that that eliminates the deficit of the past. And then if there weren't anything else that came as a result of our going over the top in our responsibilities of the Lord, it would simply be that I have grown spiritually. How do I become mature in my relationship with the Lord? Is it by just sitting and occupying a pew once in a while? The answer to that question is no. It's what happens when we rise up out of that pew, we walk out those doors, and we mingle with other souls that are lost. That's the practical application of the heart that we have to serve the Lord. The can-do spirit that is motivated by the strength of Jesus Christ. There's another interesting thing, kind of a side note to that. or, Well, I say side note, maybe an expansion of it. Would you grant that? An expansion of the idea that, okay, first, I want to do more, but how about this? I'm not doing more just so that I can have quantity. I want to do more, but I also want to do better. So I want to do more and better. I want quality to be a component of what I'm doing for the Lord. In the book of Exodus, actually it's chapter 35, and if you start at verse 30, you go to the end of that chapter, and it ends in chapter 36 at verse 1, you have two characters that are described there. Bezalel and uh, Aholium. Those two guys are specifically blessed by God with this. The text says that it is wisdom and understanding. Now here's what I normally think of when I read wisdom and understanding. Usually... I apply that to the Scriptures, right? That's what makes sense. I want to have greater wisdom and understanding in the Word of God. But what's interesting about this text is their expansion, their their spiritual blessing of wisdom and understanding was not with regard to the Word of God. It was with regard to artistic workmanship. Okay, stop and wrap your brain around that for a minute. It isn't that God was, was giving them a spiritual gift wherein they would be able to lead people. Or they could preach a sermon. Or they could sing songs. Or they would have a, a, a special spiritual impart of, of compassion for others. Something like that. It, it wasn't that at all. Their component, their gift of wisdom and understanding was artistic workmanship. Well, what those guys had was a spiritual gift that enabled them as craftsmen to create physical implements that would be used in the sanctuary in worship to God. Ken, are you, saying that, are you saying that they received a spiritual impartation of wisdom and understanding that actually manifested itself in some talents, physical talents to make stuff? Yeah, that's exactly what that was. And not only that, the text tells us that not only were they specifically gifted, but they were also gifted with the ability to teach other people how to do it. You know, usually when I think of, and maybe you do too, but usually when I think of God blessing us spiritually to do things, I tend to think of what originally I had suggested. Teaching, leadership, preaching, song leading, having compassion, faith. Those sound like spiritual things. But this is talking about something else. The other side of that, maybe it is that I can't do the very things that I just mentioned. Does that mean I'm out? I can't please God? That's not what that means. It just means that that isn't my skill set. Maybe it is that I am the best broom operator in the brotherhood. Then if you are the best broom operator in the brotherhood, then use that talent that you have to the glory of God somehow. If it is that your talent, guys up there in the booth, is to operate electronic equipment and run a PowerPoint slide, if if that is your tier one uh, ability, then use that to the glory of God. If what it is that you can do is sit in the comfort of your home and write out notes of encouragement on a card and put it in an envelope and put a stamp on it and then get it to the mailbox, then you do that with as much enthusiasm with over-the-top commitment that you can, because if that is your work in the Lord that is very different and unique from anybody else, then you do that to the glory of God. There isn't anything outside the realm of possibility in our service to others in the name of Jesus that disqualifies a servant from glorifying God through some action. In fact, I think of Colossians 3, verse 17, don't you? Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It's all through Jesus. But I might not be able to preach. I might not be able to teach. I may not be able to lead a song or lead a prayer. But I can do something. I can, in fact, do whatever it is that I can do in total contentment for the abilities that I have. Yeah, that's right. I'm not looking at somebody else saying, boy, I wish I could do that, or I wish I could do that. That's not where I'm looking. I'm looking right here. What can I do? And when I identify what it is that I do, however great or however small, then I'm going to do it because Christ empowers me to do it. I can do all things, whatever they are, through Christ who strengthens me. You're unique. You are different from anybody else who's ever been living on this planet. Use that difference to do something for God. Don't use it for evil. Don't replicate the pattern of the world. Be empowered by Jesus Christ and do something to God's glory. Many years ago, Dr. S. L. Farr, an elder of this very congregation, along with his wife, encouraged, empowered, financially supported, untold numbers of men who aspired to preach the gospel. I could mention names of at least what I consider to be famous preachers of the past that you would know, and many of those will have been supported by the work of Dr. Farr and his wife. One of those people was a man by the name of Jim Olive. Now, recently, Jim put together a short video he put that video together at the close of his own work in the Lord for two purposes. Number one, it was in tribute of this congregation and specifically of the FARs and the work that they did in order to make possible the lifetime ministry that he was involved in. But secondly... Its purpose was to remind all of us, especially our young people, of the work that's been done before, of the groundwork that was been laid, that all of us stand upon, of the commitment that men and women made in the past in service to the Lord for the work that's being done right here in Boonville. Now, at the close of our service, once the final prayer has been offered, That video is going to be shown here, and I want to encourage everybody to stay and see it. Because what you will see is what we've been talking about today the power of one to do good. So you're so different. What difference are you making? Are you making a difference for good, or are you making a difference for evil? Here's what I want us to choose. I want us to choose to do good. Is there something in the way of that for you? Today's the day to set it aside. Confess it. Let's pray about it in your repentance. And let's get it behind us. Maybe you're a child of God today. You feel the pressure of that and the desire to do better. Then today, why don't you come forward? If there's someone who is not a Christian, who would like to become part of the work here that we're aspiring to do for the Lord, to His glory. And today you can obey the Gospel, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, confessing your faith in Him. Having repented, you can be buried in water, already prepared, have your sins washed away, being immersed in that water, the blood of Jesus washing those sins, and you rising up in newness of life. What a great day that will make this. Anybody needs to respond for any reason? Now is your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we we'll stand together and sing.
4: We'll come by and give you one. In Matthew twenty six, beginning the first twenty six, Jesus with his apostles. He instituted what we refer to as Last Supper. And it says uh, he took the bread and gave thanks and took the fruit of and gave thanks and he said he won't drink up again to do it in the kingdom of God. In Acts two, we find with the New Testament the church established, they protect the Lord's Supper. And on through Act, you know, in Act twenty seven. It tells us upon the first day of the week a disciple came together a break bread, Paul preaching to them. Now can't done the preaching at this time we're gonna give God a thanks for the loaf. Let's bow our heads. Our Father in heaven, we give thee our thanks for this and our Lord's Day and for the blessings of health that we can assemble here and worship thee and we pray our worship that they've been set upon thee. At this time, we thank Thee for this bread which does represent the body of Christ. We pray, Father, that we'll partake of this in a way that it will be pleasing unto Thee. In Christ's name, amen. Let us, after all, thank for the cup. Father in heaven, we give thee our thank for this cup, which does represent the blood that Christ shed there on that cross. We also pray that we examine ourselves and take in this way, be acceptable unto thee in Christ's name. Amen. i finished the Lord's Supper. Paul gave a command in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2 to lay by and store upon the first day of the week. And uh, we have a list of places you can put in the community trays or where you do it. Let's give thanks for all the material blessings God has blessed us with. Our oh, Father in heaven, we give our Thank for bless us in so many ways, Father. We pray, Father, that we'll give back a portion of this to Thee, and we pray, Father, that this may be used to help spread that word throughout the community and the world. In Christ's name, Amen.
5: Good morning. Before uh, Brother Todd comes and closes us with some announcements and a prayer, I wanna make a uh, put a couple of things before you regarding our education program. Um, of course, tonight, as has already been mentioned, we reiterate what Brother Jim said, that uh, Kids Sing will begin next Sunday night, uh, and just uh, some clarification, tonight we'll go straight to our Bible class. Then next week, uh, has, as has been announced, you 'll come to the auditorium, but I want to clarify for the teachers you will still have the same time for your class five o 'clock or the same amount of time five o 'clock and then five fifteen will dismiss and you 'll go to class then and you 'll dismiss from your classes um, home as we normally do, but it will be till six o 'clock so you 'll have your 45 minutes uh, as per um, normal for your Bible class. I had a couple of teachers I uh, wanted to make sure that that was the case. But this Wednesday night, as most of you uh, already have read, a Wednesday night uh, beginning this Wednesday, uh, we will we'll continue to go straight to class and then uh, meet in the auditorium at 7.45 for uh, a short devotional and some announcements. Um, teachers, please dismiss around 7.40 as you did the last time we did this and make sure that we're in here um, uh, in a timely manner so we can begin that. Um, teachers and parents, please communicate uh, and make that, uh, facilitate that as smoothly as possible. Sister Lynn in the third and fourth grade class and those parents have communicated. They're going to, the third and fourth grade class is going to come in and sit together and then the parents will pick them up that way. That may be something all of you want to consider. Uh, communicate with your parents uh, so that we can do that in a uh, orderly and a timely fashion. and have the time that we want for our devotional and our um, announcements. The real reason that I want to get up here today, this is the first Sunday in January and this year we're going to do the same thing that we did last year. You know, last year we had, um, rather than a week-long VBS, we had the one day. We had a lot of encouraging comments and positive results from that. Uh, We are going to do that again this year. This is the first Sunday in January. This is January the 2nd. That date is June the 11th. That's a Saturday. Many of you have started planning. So we're going to start talking about this on a regular basis. You're going to see my face talking about this on a regular basis. June the 11th, that's a Saturday. Please go home today and write that on your calendar. Please go home today and start praying about that so that when that time comes, June the 11th already has a center spot in the your summer events and everything else has to work around that. And we'll begin to talk more about uh, the name, the theme, and so forth as we move closer.
6: Good morning. glad that you're here this morning. If you're visiting with us, we invite you to come back to any opportunity you can. Uh, remind you, be mindful if there's not a bulletin uh, in the back of the pew in front of you, there's some out back and some in the foyer, I think, from last week that has this week and next week's assignments in it. We didn't have an actual bulletin to go out this week, so be sure you pick one of those up. Uh, there's extensive prayer list on there. Uh, we had 255 in attendance this morning. Uh, I think Stephen pretty much covered the, the announcements that we needed to make, but I do have a card of thanks. Thanks for all the calls, texts, visits, food, and especially the prayers for our family during this difficult time. My mama touched many lives and will be truly missed. Lisa and David Horn and family and Larry Dillard. I do remind you after the closing prayer, we we do have a video that we invite you to stay and and view that as a congregation. So if you'll bow with me, I'll dismiss us in prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to come and to worship you in song and praise. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your church here at Boonville and its many members. Father, we ask you be with our elders and continue to watch over them and give them the wisdom and the leadership and the guidance to take care of your flock. Father, we know we have many of our members that are sick, that are on prayer lists, that are in need of prayer. Father, we ask that you comfort them as only you can. Father, as we leave here today, we ask that you go with us throughout our everyday lives and help us all to live in a way and operate in a way that will be pleasing unto thee. Help us to take opportunities to encourage those around us and introduce your word to them. Most of all, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, whom died on the cross, that we may have an opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. And forgive us for we have failed thee. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.